going to read from the Gospel of Luke in just a moment. If you'd like to find where I am going to be reading from, it'll be from the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke. We will be taking a break from our Elisha series this week for Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving Sunday, and a very appropriate theme to, to follow with Thanksgiving. If you're new to our fellowship, new to our church, or visiting from afar, I'd like to welcome you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Luke chapter 22, beginning at the 15th verse. Going to focus our thoughts this morning on a very, very simple action of our Lord, but so significant. Luke 22:15 says this, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our Lord. Thank you for his thanksgiving, even in a moment of his life, such as this Passover meal was for him. I pray that you would grant us the grace to put on our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. At the Passover meal, Luke records that Jesus gave thanks. He took the bread, he took the cup, and it says, and he gave thanks. Do you give thanks before a meal? I hope you do. It's not a ritual. It's a significant pause in our life saying, Lord, we owe you everything. <laughs> everything we have comes from you. Thank you. But this particular meal is so significant in that Jesus gives thanks for it. And so on this Thanksgiving Sunday, I want us to pause and reflect on this occasion in our Lord's life where he gives thanks over the Passover meal and then ask the question, how can we put on our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe there's a path to thanksgiving here in this text by putting on the Lord Jesus, who is offering this meal to his disciples, and it, but it represented his body that was about to be broken, and it represented his blood that was about to be shed, and he was thankful. I want to direct our thoughts to this very simple description of a prayer of thanksgiving at the Passover meal and find in it a path for our own necessity to give thanks. There is a world of thanksgiving in Jesus' prayer. And even though what Jesus prayed isn't recorded, even though what he actually said in his prayer we're not told, all it says is that he stopped and he prayed and he gave thanks. But it makes me wonder, what was that prayer of thanksgiving like? There is a world of thanksgiving in this occasion where Jesus is giving thanks before this meal. He was the meal. He, he is the Passover lamb. Pa uh, <laughs> the Apostle Paul makes that very clear in 1 Corinthians 5. 
where he says that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. There's a very clear correlation between what Jesus is giving thanks for in this meal, this bread and this drink, and his own life, his own, his own body, and his own life in the hands of the Father. I would have liked to have heard that prayer. It is often easy to give thanks for the blessings that we receive from God. And we should give thanks for the blessings we receive from God. Even that humble, regular prayer before a meal to stop and say, Lord, thank you for your blessings. But sometimes our thanksgiving for blessings are only as long as we are in control of what we define as a blessing. <laughs> it's just natural in us. Lord, this is what I, what I define as a blessing. Thank you for that. I'm really grateful for that. <laughs> but I'm in control of what I define as being a blessing. And Jesus here, in giving thanks, is of course, receiving many blessings from the Father. So much to give thanks for in this meal as he paused before distributing it. All of the promises that are attached to this meal. All of the history that is attached to this meal. All of the expectation that of God's people eating it over the hundreds of years, anticipating the Messiah. All that it represented. So many blessings. So much that must have been in his mind and his heart as he gave thanks to the Father for this meal. And yet, he's not only giving thanks for something that he would be receiving from the Father. He's also giving thanks for something that would be taken away from him. And what would be taken away from him is his very life. That was part of the blessing. What would be taken away from him? As he prays this prayer of thanksgiving, all that is on the horizon for him, his arrest, his false accusations, his beating, his scourging, his mocking, his injustice, and ultimately his crucifixion. And in this prayer, I believe there's a world of, of learning for us. A path for thanksgiving by putting on our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, thanksgiving is, is so vital in our life. It's such a critical discipline. It's not only a critical discipline because it glorifies God, and that is the, the calling of the Christian life, is to glorify God. And thanksgiving glorifies God. When we together later demonstrate that we're not mute when it comes to giving thanks to God, and we'll give thanks to God, it glorifies Him. But it also has so many practical implications in our life. That, that make us say, Lord, I want to have thanksgiving. I need to be in possession of thanksgiving. All of the, the practical implications of, of our life. Thinking of the simple thing of, of friendship. Can you be friends with somebody who's not thankful? It's not very easy, is it? I am anticipating um, being together with people that I haven't seen in a, in a long time. And some of the correspondence that I, I've had in anticipation of, of that concerns me uh, a little bit. It's not pleasant to be with people who are not thankful. 
and all of the practical implications for our life and looking for wisdom and guidance and making decisions in our life and how much we need in our, in our Christian life to find our path by thanksgiving. But thanksgiving requires more than mere exhortation. In other words, I, I, we, we can't just say to one another, be thankful, <laughs> and all of a sudden we're thankful. And yeah, I know we feel the guilt, we feel the shame. Well, yeah, I really, I really, I should be, I should be more thankful. And, and often that's true. We, we repent of our muteness and of our unthankfulness. But, but it re- thankfulness requires more than mere commandment, mere than, more than mere exhortation. It requires a foundation that, that undergirds it, that builds it, that you stand on it, that because I possess these things, I can be thankful. And I think that's exactly what we see in our Lord. And I believe that in our Lord, in his simple prayer of thanksgiving at the Passover meal of such a significant time in his life, I believe that there is such a foundation uh, for thanksgiving that can be learned. And so here's the main point that I'd like to get through this morning as I've already iterated, that putting on the Lord Jesus Christ is critical in our path to thankfulness as he offered up his life with thanksgiving. Just in your own imagination, just consider it again. Our Lord, he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. And then before he distributes the food, holding on to the bread and holding on to the cup, he says to the Father, thank you. Thank you. He's, he's making his way in his path of obedience to the Father with an instrument of thanksgiving. We live in perplexing days, in perplexing times when there is a tremendous need for wisdom. All of us are needing and having to make decisions in our life, and sometimes we're, we're, it's difficult. And to add to the perplexity of it, sometimes it's been my experience that, that people who love God and people who love the Scriptures and people who proclaim the Scriptures will use the same Bible to say very, very different things about what we should be doing. And you wonder, well, how do we find our path? And I think that, that if we consider this for a moment, consider the significance of the thought of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in all of the decisions that we make, in all of the paths that we choose, and to say, well, this is what I, I believe represents godliness, that to, to frame it with these words, I'm putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. A very, very significant way for us to think about our life and our decisions. There is much of Christian character that is displayed, put on display for us, and practice for us to see with, right within the Godhead of the three persons. And this is an example of it. The Son talking to the Father. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, I'll say it in the old King James because that's how I learned it, be ye imitators of God. I think, well, how can I be an imitator of God? Of God. Well, right within the Godhead, there are, are relationships that we can see and learn and imitate them. And this is one of them. The Son is thankful 
to the Father. So one of the ways that we can imitate God is to watch the Son being thankful to the Father. The Son is thankful to the Father. And the Son's thanksgiving comes from a relationship with the Father. And the same is true for us. Fundamental to thanksgiving is a relationship with God. It's not just a a religious ideal. Well, you, you should be thankful. Thankfulness comes from a real relationship with God. And as we examine the relationship that the Son had with the Father, there are things to learn about our relationship with God. And so I'm going to work through three marks of that relationship. Marks of the relationship that the Son had with the Father that made a way for the Son's thanksgiving and then for us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ those same things. And they're very simple. They are submission to the Father, trust in the Father, and praise to the Father or rejoicing in the Father. They're very, very simple. They're they're not complex. They're not hard to understand. But Christian maturity often comes not from making our faith more complex. Christian maturity comes from taking the simple things and making them penetrate into the deepest part of our life. Because life changes, right? Life experiences changes. Life is changing for us right now. And Christian maturity comes from taking the, the most simple, basic ideas of Christian faith and applying them, making them penetrate into our present life. Thanksgiving for the Son here in his relationship with the Father, I hope you can see it's not an afterthought. The Son, as I said earlier, is is making his way at the greatest test of his obedience, a crucial time in his life, about to offer up his life. Thanksgiving is something that allows the Son to find that path of obedience. Thanksgiving for this meal. Through Thanksgiving. I've often paused on the words in Psalm 100 that it says this. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Uh, I love prepositions. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. In other words, it doesn't say go through the gates and you'll find thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm in your gates now and I've, I've discovered thanksgiving. And the son isn't like that either. The, the son right now is, is giving thanks for what he's about to go through. And he's making his way by thanksgiving. He's finding the gates, as Psalm 100 says. He's finding the gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And it's not when he, when he gets through it all and all of the tests and all of the, of the endurance and all the things he experiences and he gets to heaven and he says, oh, it's over. Now, uh, thank you, Father, for helping me. It's not an afterthought. I hope you can see that. I, I could testify this morning, I am so thankful to the Lord in ways that in, in, in recent times where I could have been so frustrated and so angry with, with many things that, that, have exper- that I've experienced in my life. But the Lord graciously allowed me to find a thanksgiving that opened the gates for me in a path 
that help me find wisdom, which I am so thankful for. I believe that a Christian who is in the mindset of thanksgiving will be more able to find the wisdom of God for a path that glorifies God more than when we are without it. The first one is surrender, an unconditional surrender. It exists in the Godhead. It exists between the Father and the Son. An unconditional surrender of the Son to the wisdom of the Father. In other words, the Son had no boundaries of what the Father's wisdom could look like in his life. No things that, that he defined in saying, well, here, Lord, I mean, Father, this is, this is the area in which I'll, I'll define what I receive from you as a blessing. No boundaries whatsoever. An absolute and complete, unconditional surrender to a wisdom that belonged to the Father for his life. Which is significant because it was the Father's wisdom to crush him. It was the Father's wisdom to allow him to be abused. It was the Father's wisdom to allow him to suffer. Can you see the significance of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ? And how helpful that is for finding our path. It's critical foundation for thanksgiving because when we try to maintain control of our life, when we determine the boundaries for the instruments that God can use to instruct us, to humble us, to refine us, to teach us, we will fail at maintaining those boundaries and we'll be full of resentment to the things that we cannot control. And God truly is in control. God truly is wise. God truly is of a wisdom where it is in our best interest to surrender all to him. I've been chewing on Proverbs 20, verse 30 this week that says, blows that wound cleanse away evil. And reflecting on surrender, on submission to the wisdom of God and all the blows and surrendering. The Lord, they, they fulfill your purposes and they cleanse away evil. The second word is trust. There is in the Son to the Father, there exists in the Godhead for our imitation, a complete trust of the Father. In other words, there was safety for the Son. In other words, the Son was secure as the Son. There was no insecurity in the Son. All of the indignities that the Son would endure did not threaten who he was to the Father. His identity could not be changed as he ate that meal, as he anticipated all that would be done to him. None of it could threaten what was already given to him which is the words from the Father, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. That is a critical 
component for thanksgiving. Because if we are insecure, if we are insecure in who God has declared us to be, we will be anxious about protecting ourselves. If our identity is caught up in the kingdom of this world, we will be anxious about what we go through. But if we know as the Son knew from the Father that nothing that was given to Him can be taken away from us, that we can trust Him, that it is secure and can never be taken away, then we can endure with thanksgiving. And so the Son, through the Son, or by the work of the Son, the Father has given us the spirit of adoption. That's what we possess. That's what we are safe in. That's what we are secure in. That's what we can trust God for that can never be taken away from us. That we belong to God and that we are His children. And we need not be anxious about anything in this world because nothing can take it away. But trust God for, and bless God for this very thing. But being weaned of the things we trust in isn't easy because of the very nature of the fact that we're relying upon them. And so that goes back to the submission of, of the wisdom, that, that part of the, the wisdom in the surrender is being taught to trust and be weaned from the things that we are relying upon and trust in God. The third word is praise. There was in the Son a rejoicing in the Father. The Son knew that even though He was a significant part of the story, actually the Son wasn't the center of the story, that all that the Son did was for the Father. It was for the praise of the Father. It, and the Son rejoiced in the Father as part of the way by which He was able to give thanks because His focus wasn't so much on Himself, but it was upon His Father. And He wanted His Father to be glorified. And He was able to lift His sights off of Himself at this Passover meal and realize that the center of the story really was the Father, that the Father would be getting glory through this, and that was what he desired more than anything else, was for the Father to be glorified. He rejoiced in the Father. And that also is an important component for thanksgiving. When our focus is only on ourselves, our focus is only on our own circumstances, we can get discouraged. But when we can get our eyes on, on something bigger than ourselves, something that is outside of ourselves, something that, that is beautiful, something that is glorious, something that, that God is accomplishing, even that is, that is beyond us, it lifts our eyes from ourselves being at the center and to truly rejoice in God for how he glorifies himself in and through all things, which is critical and significant in order to be able to give thanks. Think of Paul and Silas in a, in a prison cell, not necessarily thankful for chains, but they weren't rejoicing for the ch chains, but rejoicing for the kingdom of God in spite of their chains. I was, received an email this week from someone on the missions committee from, from Jim, and I, I, uh, I saw how long it was. It was only two minutes. I, you do that too, right? So I, I, I opened it, 
And it made me rejoice of what God is doing in the world for his kingdom through Bible translation. Wow, using, using technology in order to translate the word of God into so many different languages around the world and training people that are native to that country in order to, to teach them the word of God. And it, it, and it, it, just, it just lifts your, 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 your eyes off to something in the kingdom of God that is bigger than yourself to rejoice in. It's so significant for Thanksgiving to get ourselves out of the center of the story. That word kingdom, I believe, is a significant word that actually defines up all of these marks, all of, all of these things that I'm talking about, the, the submission, the trusting, and, and the praising. To, we spend uh, so much time fretting about the kingdom of man. And so much of our thoughts are obsessed and absorbed with what ultimately is just the kingdom of man. And the kingdom of God is something that we belong to. The kingdom of God is real. It's the kingdom of God is, 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 is unthwarted in all that God intends for it. And it's the place that we belong. And it's the place where our eyes should be. And it's in when, we, when we grasp this perspective that we're in the kingdom of God and that there is a wisdom in the kingdom of God to submit to that is beyond us, that is beyond our comprehension. And in the kingdom of God, we're not in control, but we're safe, we're secure. For in the, the love of God for us as his children. And there is something glorious about the kingdom of God as well, in which we are able to give praise. But it's, it's just such a simple thing, again, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And all that was going on, all that was represented in his life and in his crucifixion, there was all the goings on of the kingdom of man, all the things that he suffered, all from the kingdom of man. But it was the kingdom of God that allowed him to give thanks the kingdom of God endures. Praise the Lord for that. Our identity is secure there. The wisdom is beyond us and the praise is glorious. I'd like us to go into a time of prayer now this morning and to pray through these same three points through our submission, through our, our trust, our praise, and I've asked some of the elders, please, to participate uh, in this prayer time. And you'll remain seated, and Lori will lead us in a song as, as we work our way through it. But I hope that you can see that in these things, that there's tremendous opportunity for us to be a people of repentance. There's tremendous opportunity for us to be people of asking the Lord for help. And there's tremendous opportunity for us to give thanks to Jesus, for Jesus, for all that he does for us. And so those are the three things that we're going to briefly pray through now this morning before there's an opportunity for many more of you to give an opportunity to give thanks. Proverbs 18.12 says this. This is another thing we're doing as, as a church leadership is using the scriptures for our prayers and wanting to, to show and instruct how to use the Bible, the scriptures, as vocabulary for our prayer. 
Proverbs 18.12 says, Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Let's pray. Would you please pray with me? Lord, forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for our autonomy. Forgive us for the boundaries that, that we draw. Forgive us for our foolishness. And Lord, I, I pray that what we see in the Son to the Father, to give himself wholly and completely surrendered to the will of the Father. I pray, Lord, that you would bring that humility in us. Thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. In all of our weaknesses, in all of our failings, him and his obedience, in his submission, in his surrender, has clothed us with everything that we need to call you our Father. Help us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ.